Please stand for the reading of today's gospel from the book of Mark, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man with a withered and there was a man who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Come forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It is good to see you this morning. It is a privilege to be here at Brentwood. Um, I have served as your district superintendent for the last uh, uh, few years, and I'm very blessed to uh, work with your staff and to work with your laity in leading and being a part of this wonderful church. I thank God for you, and I thank God for the opportunity to be here. I'm also thankful that Davis is on vacation uh, because that gives me an opportunity to be here, but uh, it also gives me an opportunity to see uh, how God is working in this place. And I am so thankful for you and for your staff and for all of those that participate with you. Uh, it is a joy to be here. We're continuing in the series of sermons on critiquing Jesus. Critiquing Jesus. The passage of scripture that has been read as one of those passages that's most interesting. It's interesting because it gives us some indication of, of some people that, that were in opposition to Jesus. It seems that anyone in leadership is automatically open to criticism and opposition. And this particular passage is one in which it, it gives us some great insight as far as how this critiquing Jesus took place and exactly what happened in the critiquing situation. John Mark gives us this story. He also shares with us the passage that was read last week by Dr. Jim Hughes and what a beautiful story and what a wonderful sermon that he expressed last week. But this passage is a little different. Jesus is in the synagogue. And as he goes in the synagogue, he's there to, to worship, to study, and he's there to do some things that, that Jesus was very good at. However, it seems that there is a situation that has arisen. And the situation is that the Pharisees in particular have decided that this man Jesus was in violation of their idea of what the Messiah should look like. And so they decided that the best thing for them to do would be to somehow have a plant that would be against him and where they could come up with a ruling against him. This story is also uh, uh, given us in Matthew chapter 12, verses nine through 14. 
and Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. All of those passages give us a picture of exactly what happened. And everyone had a little bit of a different ideology or a little different view of what was going on in that particular time. In Matthew, for example, he tells us that this, on this Sabbath day, he asked one question in this particular passage in Mark. He asked, do you, is it good to do good or to do harm or to save life or to kill? In the Matthew passage, he only asked one question, and that is, is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath? And then he goes into a story. And he asked them the question, suppose one of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. Will you not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a human being than a sheep? That's a little different to what Mark gives us. And then we go over to, to that's in Matthew, and we go over to Luke's passage. And in Luke, he says that this is the man's right hand that has been affected. He also talks about that the fury that these folks felt against him. Mark omits the reference to the sheep falling into the pit, but gives us graphically that the Lord was looking around and with anger was looking at those that were in opposition. You see, this is an interesting story. It talks about how these people felt about their faith. James Dunn in his Romans commentary states that in the first century, a vast amount of the rabbinical teaching during that time, the writing was on circumcision, dietary laws, and Sabbath keeping. This seems odd because no devout rabbi would have said these matters are the heart of the law. Not even the 615 laws which were in the Torah, that were added to the Torah in the tradition of the elders. They knew it was, it was core, what the core teaching was. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, the Shema. So why focus on these practices? John Ortberg says in his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, the answer involves, might be called some kind of identity marker or boundary marker. The Pharisees had a tendency of exclusion. Insiders were not welcomed. They were separated from the outsiders. So they adopt boundary markers. Boundary markers are highly visible, relatively superficial practices. Matters of vocabulary, address, and style whose purpose is to distinguish between those on the inside of the group and those on the outside of the group. The problem with the Pharisees and the religious officials of that day was they were constantly emphasizing what made the disciples, what made people different, not what brought them together. Let's look at this story a little, close, a little closer. They bring in a man with a withered hand. This man comes in and he has a hand that is, un, that is not functional. 
Everyone I know has uh, some kind of withered hand, Bishop McAlilly would say, or some kind of limp. Every one of us walk with a limp. We all either have a psychological, spiritual, or physical problem. And in those psychological, spiritual problems, we all need help. And Jesus comes into the synagogue. The synagogue uh, translated as a house of gathering or assembly. It's a place of study, a place of scripture reading, a place of teaching, and also a place of prayer. Perhaps this synagogue was at Capernaum. We don't know exactly where it was, but was it strongly suggested that the man with the withered hand that came in was a plant? He was planted by the Pharisees so that Jesus would be tempted to heal on the Sabbath day. In this story, Jesus is dealing with disappointment of those in the synagogue. Either the man was going to go away disappointed with the withered hand and was going to be unable to lead a whole and productive life from the future, or the Pharisees were going to win out with their criticism. What is the priority? What is the priority for these who are disciples? Is the priority doing good or is the priority conforming to what is stated? Why this was significant is if Jesus gets to heal this man on the Sabbath day in front of all the Pharisees, the sin in their eyes would claim, but would, would completely annihilate his claim to be the Messiah. The tradition of the elders, the 615 laws that were added to the biblical law recognized by the Pharisees, these were to be an expansion and clarification of the law. However, they had become a part of this boundary marker that had hurt the hearts of the people because they didn't know all the laws. Now what about those Pharisees? Jesus asked the question, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath day? Is it lawful to do good or to do harm? What is lawful? Which one is most important? Is it better to do good? But interestingly enough, when he asked the question, there was nothing but silence. All of a sudden, the whole crowd goes silent. This was a time to speak up, not to be silent. Their problem was, how do we answer this question halfway? How do we say it's okay to do good? If he said it's okay to do good, then it's okay to heal the man who has the withered hand. If it's not okay to do good, then what is okay for the Sabbath day? So the question is asked and and the answer has to be that they did not respond because they were afraid of what they should give for an example. This grieved the heart of Jesus. Why? Because the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. It sounds a bit like when Nicodemus came to Jesus in John three. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And Jesus said to him, are you a teacher in Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Pharisees had great power. They were a Jewish sect at the time of Jesus and they were often members of a ruling party called the Sanhedrin Council. To be a Pharisee, 
you had to have memorized the first five books of the Bible. Now that's a challenge, right? All of us have done that, right? I remember when, when I was in, in, uh, in Cuba several years ago, they had a requirement for church membership. And it was not that you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible, but you had to know 30 praise songs. 30 praise songs. I don't know that most of our, our worship leaders know 30 praise songs from memory, but these were the traditions of that day and the traditions of our day. Secondly, the Pharisees had to separate themselves from sinners. They couldn't eat with sinners. They couldn't do a lot of other things. So they were separated from sinners. They, had, they refused to listen to Jesus because he had not recognized them and thanked them for their faithfulness. They had great power. But why was Jesus angry with, the, with these Pharisees? They had changed God's law by regarding the regulations of the tradition of the elders. And those traditions were good. My, my guide in Israel and I have this discussion on every trip. Every trip I've made to Israel, just about, I've talked to David, my guide, about this one thing. Were the Pharisees really good or were they really bad? His argument was they were good because they kept the tradition and the law alive. My argument was because they refused to be open. And he said, he says openness is a problem anyway. So these laws that the Pharisees were going by were, had lost their flavor in that they were not important. They, the tradition was more important to the Pharisees than the people. And they refused to believe in John the Baptist or Jesus. And they were not loving their neighbor. An interesting fact out of this Mark passage. Did you notice that last verse in Mark chapter three and verse six? The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians. Now that's kind of interesting. That may be the most interesting part of this letter. Of this, of this word. The Herodians and the Pharisees didn't get along at all. They disagreed with each other theologically. They disagreed with each other politically. The Herodians had taken the side of Herod and they were conspiring with the Romans. Yet those that were the, the Pharisees were anti-Rome. But here they come together. They disregard the political and the theological difference because they had a, a desire to destroy Jesus. That's what the wording says, to destroy Jesus. They had forgotten the commandment number five, thou shalt not kill. And they had begun to be in, in a great disarray and there was a great problem. And the problem was that Jesus was so different to them. He didn't fit the boundary. He didn't fit the, the difference. He was so different and so loving and so kind and he cared about people so much that he taught us how to be what we are to be. 
Now, what is the witness of this transformation? Jesus calls the man to show the power of God. In most cases, Jesus tells the disciples, don't tell anybody that I did this healing. Don't go forward and tell anybody, just keep it quiet. But in this case, he calls the man forward in front of the Pharisees. This was so unusual, but he didn't tell him to tell no one. As a matter of fact, he knew that if he, commi- if he committed to do this healing, it was gonna make a difference. He was going to have him in front of everyone and when he stretched forth his hand, his hand was miraculously healed. Now one text says it was his right hand. The history of this story tells us that he was a brick mason. And that in this story, that he could not possibly do his job without his right hand. But now he's a whole human being. There should have been rejoicing. There should have been celebration. There should have been, everyone should have risen to their feet in joy and excitement. But instead, the Pharisees go out and seek to find a way to kill him, to get rid of Jesus. You know, how do we celebrate today? And what do we celebrate? Do we celebrate the good and the good things that happen because of God's love for us? Do we celebrate and make a joyful noise unto the Lord? Do we make a difference in the way we speak, in the way we act, in the way we do things in in front of people because of what Christ has done? Back several years ago, about 14 years ago now, I was sent by the bishop, Bishop Wills, I was sent to go to Hawaii. Now, would anybody like that assignment? I thought it was a great assignment. I thought it would be great, go to Hawaii and to shadow a man named Wayne Cordero. Wayne was pastor of the New Hope Churches. He had started nearly 83 churches, or been a part of starting 83 churches. They were running 12,000 people per Sunday in that church, 12,000 people. They had three Sunday night, uh, uh, Saturday night services and four Sunday morning services. And we were going to shadow him for a week to find out what his secrets were and what was going on with this man. So we get there and, and we have a wonderful time and we go to worship and we have worship experiences that were outstanding. And as things went along, he invited us as pastors, several of us as pastors who were shadowing him that week, to go out to the, to the shore of the ocean for a special celebration. When I got there, there were six different stations in the water. And those six stations were places for baptism, immersion. And so we walked out and as pastors, we were assigned a staff member and then we were assigned another person and we went out to the the shore. And as we got to the edge, we, we walked out and we got in the water 
And I thought, this won't take very long if there are six of us. But for an hour and 20 minutes, we ask about these people's faith. And for an hour and 20 minutes, we baptized one after another, after another, after another. That wasn't the importance of this story to me. The importance of the story was with each baptism that we heard, that we saw, that we were a part of, with everyone in the six different stations, everyone on the shore, when someone was baptized, would cheer. And they would celebrate. They would express their appreciation for what was happening and it was exciting. And when the people walked to the shore, they were high-fiving and low-fiving and everybody was excited and singing and joyful and there was a great meal. There was no celebration when Jesus finished healing this man. Instead, there was only contempt. You see the difference? You see the difference? During that time in Hawaii, we asked Wayne Cordero, how many, why are so many ministries that come and try to have an effective ministry in Hawaii, why are they not, why do they fail? And you have been so successful. And he said this, We love our people more than anyone else does. And we listen to them and we work with them and we see God's amazing healing transformation in those that are present. He said, that's our only secret. Our only secret is that we share the gospel with love. Folks, the man with the withered hand had no question. The Pharisees had a lot of questions, but the man with the withered hand had no question of how he was loved. The man with the withered hand had no question about the fact that Jesus loved him and was willing to stand against the tide of the Pharisees in order to bring healing. May we, in some way, be convicted and then follow the message of Jesus and that message being, we love you more than anyone else. That's why we want you to follow. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen.